All right, my lover, it's time oh for the Noel's Bard Witchcraft Podcast, Chris. You disgust me. Why? What have I done now? Fucking farmer boy intro. Farmer boy intro. Hey, don't di- don't don't diss the accent. That's not very nice. That's very hey. rude. Yeah, but the rest of them can't see you with your backwards fucking cap on. Um, well, they can now. With your <laughs> rude boy. They can visualise. I know some yeah. people stock it visualising, but they can visualise, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, ruining your rude boy look that you're going for at the moment. <laughs> I think that's a rude boy look. No? <laughs> Just raise an eyebrow like, oh dear. <laughs> What look do I do? Never mind the podcast. Let's get some fashion advice <laughs> from Chris. You used to work hey, in fashion and that. There's nothing there's nothing wrong with the way in which you look. My point is ah. um people forget that a look is very much that. You can see that kind of what someone looks like from across the street. Right. It's only when they open their mouth that it provides context as to who they actually are. Right. So the look very much says um um i'm trying to find a nice way to put this says <laughs> why break out of a lifetime <laughs> <laughs> the look currently says um i'm struggling with middle middle life crises in my 30s trying to gain some of my youth back with me backwards why? cap i don't get it why with me backwards cap and my my slightly hipster beard occurring. Yeah, I so, do need to get rid of the beard. You know, I? whereas a couple of weeks ago, the backwards cap just looked like a backwards cap and really suited you in your youthful-looking face. Whereas uh, you've now you've kind stuff. of the the context has changed with the with the facial hair. Does that make my sense? My sideburns is as is, is as long as my beard, so yeah. it needs to go. Does it? So, oh. yes, or you need to lose the cap, one or the other. You've got to choose okay. one. You can't have them both ways. Okay. I've learned something. Right. So, Mr. Chris, I'll ask the question that I've been asking everyone at the gym, right? And that is, it's an age-old question. And when I say age-old, it's been around Chicken for a little egg. while, as long as trains have been around, right? So you've got okay. this train going down a track and it's going to fork. There's this little lever, right? You can decide which direction the train's going to go in. On the left-hand track, there's a bunch of kids playing on the railway lines. They're going to get us smushed, right? On the right-hand track, it's one of your brothers tied to the track. You can pick which one, but I need you to tell me which direction do you make the train go in? Do you kill one person that you know that's part of your family? Or do you smush the children, which there's multiple? You know this is an unfair conversation because you know uh, what my answer will be. What is it? I will On always kill a podcast. I, I will always kill a whole set of strangers over somebody I like. Oh, interesting. Interesting. So I've changed my stance on this question, not because oh, wow. of what other people have said, but because I've looked deep within myself, okay, okay. with all this solar workings and such. Okay. Right? Did it require lube? No, it didn't require any lube or uh, no. No oh, KY jelly was used. <laughs> you haven't, you haven't <laughs> gone deep enough then, Liam. You need to go I deep. Gone deep enough. <laughs> I will go deeper <laughs> soon, okay? I've got to ease in. Chris. I gotta ease into this morality and ethics and no. stuff. Lie back I'll tell and think you what, of it's a pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. So just the tip, right? Just the tip of the iceberg that is this question, deep question. So I used to say and I used to think that I would just leave however the current track is set up so as if i'm not there i'm not a piece on the board and if it goes for one or it goes for the other that's not up to me that is fate has already been kind of sealed to a certain extent so that used to be my take on it right 
because I used to think, well, I don't want to be responsible for the death of some, you know, Chris's brother. And I also don't want to be responsible for the death of a bunch of children. The, the, many, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, according to Spock, which I'm not too sure, because I don't know if any of these little blighters that are playing on the tracks, whether they deserve to be, you know, taught a lesson and smushed. One or two of them might make it away before the train comes, and they'll live to tell the tale. They might get some next level PTSD or something like that, but I, I don't know. I thought, remove myself from the situation, then I don't have to choose, right? So that used to be my approach. Nowadays, I've changed, right? And I go for, I'm going to smush the people I don't know, Chris. <laughs> so I'm a little bit more like what you've said, right? So it's I... like, okay, Chris's brother is <clears throat> on the track tied up for some reason i don't know maybe he pissed you off not sure which brother it is we'll go for dan right so dan's tied up on the track and then there's a bunch of kids playing i think i'm gonna go for the people that i know i've decided unless it's a person or people that i specifically don't like in which case i'll take a chance on the unknown chris because they are unknown okay. there might be a bunch of them but they're all a bunch of unknowns okay so what you're say basically saying is unless you really know them you're going to flip a coin no i'm not flipping a coin i'm going for the person that i know to save i'm saving the person that i know every time unless okay. it's someone i dislike i know them but i dislike it okay. used to be that i just walk away and let the tracks choose in terms okay. of what they're pre-configured but nowadays i've changed my stance on it okay so does that mean you may maybe you everyone. have met enough people that you like enough to think oh i might actually want to save them whereas i think previously maybe people didn't matter hmm. maybe there's a bug in that binary code of yours maybe maybe i've just got more data because now i'm thinking kind of like most humans don't really amount to much and are pretty fucking boring and lead very mundane boring lives so at the end of the day if they get smushed the chances of them being something important or this lifetime being a real big deal which is we know even if it is it will still work out further down the line all right in it it's great multi-dimensional universes that we live in um the it doesn't really fucking matter chris i think my 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 appreciation for human life is somewhat on the volume control gone down i think that's why it is. so i'm thinking i'm picking my favorites now at this point whereas before i kind of put humans to a certain extent up a little bit as to they need to be protective protect the herd let one lone sheep die to protect the herd. Now I'm thinking, well, the herd's fucking sheep at the end of the day. I might as well go for one of the sheep that's a pet. No? Okay. Sounds like I'm both, I'm kind of near enough on the same page as you, though. Maybe you've been rubbing off on me. Maybe. Maybe they are. Were you the strange man that was stood behind? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> So, situational morality, this was, uh, was it a recommendation for a topic or was it just a statement? I can't remember. Um, it might have just been a statement and we said, oh, that might be a good opportunity for a podcast. No, I think, I don't know. I don't know how much she suggested this. So, um, was it from an up, up, upstanding moral moral and ethical person that this this <laughs> came from maybe maybe i'm not sure maybe is it situational chris does it it's situational it, it depends what mood is in okay. um no i th i think it's an interesting one particularly with topics that have been discussed in witchcraft live and stuff over the last last few weeks or so is and we talk about it a lot which is we talk about moral and ethics a lot and that you kind of need to own your own. Um, mm. You know, you can't, you can't focus on, um, you can't focus on what the crowd are saying, because ultimately, 
you need to take responsibility for your actions. Um, and that means you need to take responsibility for your ethics or your, mor- mm. you know, or how, how moral you feel you should be. Um, so the concept of situational morality for me, I think is very much apt for how I behave personally, which is in that situation, I would like to say that I say the greater good um, outweighs but if you're going to strap somebody I actually like, and mm. there's a risk of them dying, um, I know I'm going to have to to live with that that person not being here, and I mm. they I clearly enjoy their presence. Mm. Um, hence why they're still alive. Hence why they're still alive. Yeah, Unless exactly. Unless you were the person that strapped them to the train track, in which exactly. case I don't know what you'd do in that case. If you were the person that strapped someone to the train track. Would you then pull I might the lever, let or would you just take it a 50-50 shot and say, then I might let the school like bus, Russian roulette? I might let the school bus live, but, you know, um, you know, ultimately, in that very kind of either-or situation, you know me and you will always try and take a third option because that's the sort of people we are. But... Um, yeah, but Chris, there's a goes against the laws of physics for the crane to smush the children and then you levitate it onto the other track so it smushes the other person too <laughs> maybe we re- unjig one of the carriages so one goes one way and the other goes down the other track then you can kill them all can't you but normally don't you resort to lightning or shit for that traditionally the old traditional witches carriage okay so situational morality then situational morality i tend to think that if we as humans because we as the humans witches and such if we're really really angry or really upset then we do tend to make decisions not necessarily with a clear head so when it comes to spell casting uh, that you're planning maybe if you rush into it then you might go a little bit you might over egg the pudding a little bit potentially or another thing that's come up quite a lot recently is accidental magic and smiting people kind of accidentally because they've kind of pissed you off and that energy has to go somewhere so rather than just turning into cancer like a normal Monday they send it off somewhere mm. um should people feel bad about situational morality according to your moral morals or do you uh, think, think they shouldn't should they work on it i think ultimately for me um people just need to own their own their decisions um i think what i struggle with more so than someone changing their morality stance on different things is someone that revert to a higher power I think mm. what more annoys me is would be the Abrahamics who would kind of go, no, it's it's Jesus or God's plan. Like that, I think that kind of resolving yourself of your part for me is far more problematic. Um, than you must hate you, Buddhists. You making a decision. Well, I don't hate Buddhists. I just don't. I don't see that the 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 idea of trying to live through life without creating any ripples as the as the predominant path for enlightenment tricky. Um, I think I would rather that person take responsibility for the impact they do have. I think that is a better way of considering enlightenment whether or not I believe in such a thing um, is, is that kind of, you know, I w- want to live ethically. So in that sense, I would like to cause as least damage as possible. But I, that suggests that I'm not, okay, you know, that I'm not wanting to cause damage. Mm. I'm of, of the feeling that in order for something to grow, um, you know, th- some kind of discomfort is probably going to be caused you know i think when they oversimplify 
the um, Native American traditions um, and talk about this not cutting, not cutting Mother Earth. Mm. Um, you know, in in all that, when they oversimplify to those sorts of things, they start to think, well, how possible is that? Because yeah. that suggests that you wouldn't intervene um, in changing the way in which because um, if you are observing animals and you take a lot of what you're talking about from animism um suggests that you are ignoring the behaviors of say the beaver mm. so where the beaver is quite happy to build a build a dam in the middle of somewhere in order to redirect water and in a lot of ways we are reliant on them making those choices for the healthy ecosystem ecosystem that is the river mm. Um, animals like the beaver exist for that reason. So, in order for, in order for you to exist in a way where you think, I must leave no imprint, mm. um, has two out outlying impacts. Which is one, you ignore that nature itself does it on purpose. Yeah. In order for evolution to happen, and for ecosystems to survive. Mm. You know, an ecosystem doesn't work if you take away the uh, apex predator quite frequently, because yeah. it doesn't keep the low the um, the herd population down into population check. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? So, kind of like yeah. there is a natural order to things. If you take nature as the um, the foot the footprint for ethics then you're saying everything in moderation and you're considering the impact in which you make, which is not the same as Buddhism, where there is an over, um, over emphasis on minimal impact. Mm. Um, and minimal impact in, in a way that will cause a deficit for you. So that's not a healthy don't, and don't cause impact that is a you don't need to live with any of this um is the one end of that and then there was a second end but i've rambled my way into a into a forgetting so has your ethical guidelines or anything like that ever changed did were you ever like very fixed on what you consider to be moral and right and ethical and that or not have you always been somewhat uh depends on my mood at the time type thing i think i think my morality has always been focused on um responsibility mm. so if you're willing to take the responsibility like you know it's the same reason i can't stand vegans um mm. you know ultimately if i want to eat meat I have that kind of feeling of um, I can do that as long as mm. I'm willing to take the, the responsibility of it. So to me, if it, if it was a choice of we're getting rid of all supermarkets and the only way that you can eat meat is if you're going to kill it yourself, I would be more than happy to kill it myself. I would probably would live in a... Have, would you do all the skinning part as well? I'm yeah, a bit all of it. when it comes to that. I don't want to have to do that. All of it. I'll butcher it myself. All good. Mm. Kill, butcher. It's so tedious, When it don't come in like a cellophane plastic wrapper or from the butchers in like a paper bag, it gets very tedious. You've got to go out, you've got to kill it, you've got to come back, pluck out all the fur, skin it, all that. I just haven't got time for that. We ain't hunter-gatherers anymore. We have podcasts and shit to do these days. Yeah. But my, my point is the, the moral quandary that's always provided to you is would you do all of that? And my answer has always been yes, because I feel like, well, if I'm willing to, if I, I need to be able to be willing to put the, the work into it. Mm. Like if you're telling me the only way that I can keep things warm is by going and digging up coal. Mm. Um, and the, that is the only way, then I suggest I'm going, I suppose I'm probably going to put myself in that position 
or I'm going to pay some, hopefully be able to pay somebody enough to do it for me. Mm. Well, um, that's what we do these days, though, isn't you it? You know, so kind of like, you know, so for me, my focus has always been on kind of responsibility is am I willing to get my hands dirty? Um, and I think as I've got older um, and there is less mess involved with killing mm. people, I've probably got less and less bothered about it. Oh. What is the what 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 kill count did you get when you stopped caring about human lives and such? Like, is it easier <laughs> after the first one, or they say, they say that the first is the most difficult? <laughs> I think I think uh, you know flippancy aside, what I'm more kind of saying is there is, I think as you, the perspective changes. Mm. I think that's the part of situational morality people don't take into consideration is, you know, in that situation, there are situations where you deem it okay. Um, and the, for a lot of people that is, well, if, if it's um, to preserve life is mm. normally most people's go-to, isn't it? Things, certain things are okay if it is in order to preserve life mm. now to me i'm less likely to apply that rule mm. um because i think the pursuit of just preserving life is where we probably getting some of our dirtiest messes personally mm. yes which brings me on to my next point because when it comes to morality and ethics and that people often talk and think about as we have before when we've discussed such things talk about the negative i'm interested today in the positive so going out of your way to go and do good things and such which would be considered moral or ethical or that kind of thing so where does that come from what decisions do you make from that what's your guiding compass for that because you don't do charity do you not charities as in like sponsoring so British Art Foundation or adopt a fucking koala or something like that came knocking on your door, you'd say, no, I'm sorry, I already do stuff. So what about that? Like some people get an overwhelming sense of feeling guilt when they see like children with flies on their face on the comic relief TV show. They get a bit of comedy, which they laugh at. And then all of a sudden there's some kid with a fly in his face and it makes you feel sad. Hmm. Um, tricky um, yes I do charity work but I, for me charity work is about doing mm. I don't consider charity work to be about necessarily um, money raising I think it's a necessary part of it but mm. that's not normally the bit I get involved in mm. Um I am more used to getting involved in the, the doing part. So I think I'm more likely to go over and, um, you know, dig a new uh, pipeline for water than I am to send £5 a month to a charity knowing full well the money's not going there. But how often dig pipelines, though? I don't, but I know people who do. But that doesn't mean that you do. You're no. saying, okay, I don't need to give to charity because I'm friends with someone that does a lot more charity. No, than Liam, me. that's and not what balancing I just... me out like my carbon footprint. That's well, not what I just that said. That's not what I just said at all. Okay. What right. I just said was, I I think charity to doing mm. what you do is what matters. I don't think writing a check for somebody else is what matters. I think if everybody was doing something for somebody else, the world would be a better place. Right. So do you think that it is like the whole carbon neutral kind of thing, whereas you try to, to do more nice things for the community and for humanity in the world and that versus nasty things? Because there's this idea that, okay, someone that spends their entire life, you know, trying to support a charity and such like that, but it's very poor, they don't do 
anywhere near as much as Jeff Bezos does with one check. They say, well, Jeff Bezos just wrote a check for a billion pounds, and this one lady spent her entire lifetime working in Africa or something like that. When Jeff, in one what one weekend, just wrote a check because he felt like it. But then, how do you weigh that up? You know, who did more? Because you could think, well, Jeff makes this business called Amazon, which has nothing to do with the jungle, by the way. Um, no, just cutting it down. Has like slaves that he pays like below minimum wage and such like that. And is that taking away? I mean, how does this thing work with, with regards to positivity and good stuff and that? And because I kind of feel that from a charity perspective i normally work now as if there's something that's going wrong going on in front of my face and i can do something about it i weigh that up then but if it's something because i know nothing about like these people that say oh i can build a water well or something far away i don't really trust that i've been stung by that sort of thing in the past i don't really feel that that needs to be done i think that you know, there's a lot of politics and stuff like that that comes in that I can't even begin to understand. Whereas, okay, that person that can't afford to, to feed themselves or switch their heating on or something like that, I've gone out of my way to help those people because I see them and I see the result of the work. I think they would make me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I'm still waiting for that feeling. <laughs> yeah, but yours is out of the fact that you feel obligated. Yeah, I know it's entirely out of the fact that I feel obligated and I don't know the difference between right and wrong. So I tend to over overdo the right bit mm. so that I know it's like contingency, isn't it? Like when you've got a budget and such like that, you just overdo that so I can use up those points when they accrue. Definitely. I really do struggle between what is what what you're supposed to do as a good person, quote unquote, versus what normal people do because i find that normal people don't really do a lot of good shit like i always find myself being the one that helps the old biddy or feeds this person or does this or does that for other people and they always say the same thing which is no one else has ever helped me in this way or no one else does that and that this person watched me struggle that person watched me struggle and i kind of think mm, this is interesting how do i dial this back but they look at you quite shocked when you say that I say, what's the minimum amount of charity you would expect from a normal person so I can recalibrate? You can't say stuff like that. Get a reputation, no. Chris. No. But I am but trying to very, you for this. It's a very robot thing to do. <laughs> mm. But, yeah, I'd, I think people should do what, what makes them happy, I guess. I enjoy the charity work that I do. Mm. Um. I get something out of it on the basis that I know, or at least I hope, that that thing is going to survive for longer. Mm. That's mainly because my focus is always in the arts mm. and history and is is a case of going, well, I want to preserve this knowledge so that it's available in the future. Now, to me, I think that that is more, that is charity from my, because I don't gain from it. No, but it's a drive that you have yeah it's it's an innate drive i have that is i want to preserve what i can i you know i i am one of these that believes charity begins at home if you're not supporting the people that you see every day mm. then i don't i don't see why you would feel any better writing a check to um africa that you never oh, I, see I the which you never see the impact of Whereas you going and walking a dog for an old deer that can't get, get out mm. is twofold. It makes you feel good because you're getting exercise. And it, it has a twofold goodness on the fact that that old biddy is supported and that dog has a healthier life and hopefully lives longer to support that old biddy. Um, whereas I think, you know, particularly in a post-COVID world, where the entire world turns selfish overnight and starts warring over toilet paper um really just blew my mind that people could be that selfish um why well, no i mean paper that you just wipe your bum with i mean there's better things yeah, to talk like, about you know um but yeah we'll see but no i'm yeah you know my feelings about it all mm. 
Well, that's it for the regular edition of the No Holds Bar Witchcraft Podcast. And Chris might be spilling some secrets. So you kind of, when we were setting up this feed, saying something along the lines of you're weighing up decisions or work or something like that. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? You're thinking about doing something naughty, is what well, I not got. Well, a mixture of things. I think it's this time of year, you know what February mean for me, mm-hmm. is I start doing the weighing. Um, start weighing up. The weighing of souls. Weighing of souls. Um, oh. ready Still under for that my, contract, are you? Ready for my big purge, you know? Mm. So the kind of, you know, the next few weeks is all about that, of kind of making bigger decisions for the next year and thinking about things that I want to do. And part part of that is, you know, I, I am conscious of the fact I would like a new house mm. and I would like a house that is mine. Um so there is that kind of weighing up of uh, where does my energy need to be used is it in order to solidify my life mm-hmm. um solidify thoth in a in a different way like we've talked about um a number of different projects um yeah like that metho series remember that one <laughs> um yeah so like the bigger projects that we had in mind um you know of potentially that's a big project isn't it i mean it's taken two years just because we're in the second year does not mean it gets to start being a two-year project liam oh okay and then it's a two-year project a year and a bit in the making this is then i hope these people appreciate this they better appreciate appreciate it yeah um Otherwise, they're going to be used as ritual sacrifices for your Potentially. work, aren't they? Potentially, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not. I think I'm morally obliged to take the people that are <laughs> um, undeserving. Mm. So okay. no. So the yeah. So there's a few. There's a. I'm torn at the moment about whether or not my efforts should be going into the bigger projects which serve serve them the serve more people than just myself mm. or whether or not the effort should be pushed into things that make me more secure for the future i suppose mm. um and there's so i'm kind of having ethical dilemmas about it mm. um mainly because a big part of having that space would mean I could offer more. So in my head, it's a case of giving people an investment in the short term or the long term, basically weighing up short term versus long term. Yeah. There's a lot. I feel like there's, I have a lot more to offer if I was stable Mm. than I do now. Um, And I don't mean mentally. I'm fairly rock solid at the minute on the. On well, there's the a time issue, isn't there? Stage. Time capacity, a lot of it. Yeah, um, and space. Space is becoming more and more of a thing for me. Yeah, it's not as vast as people seem to go on about in astrophysics. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I'm con- I'm conscious of that at the moment, and making decisions. So, whereas most people have these di- ethical dilemmas during the period of obligation just before um just before their new year this is kind of my new year angst mm. of kind of trying to think through those process processes leading up to my birthday so i'm kind of processing that and that that kind of means do i take from from the uh, the universe in order to make these things happen um, ethically, am I okay with that? Um, part of that would in- involve making lots of money. Um, obviously, everything I've done up until this point in life has not really been money orientated because mm. I'm not really that person. Um, I've got everything that I need and I don't really need any more. But 
in order to actually be of more use to the people in in my life etc the question is how 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 much impact am i willing to have because that that it comes down to that really of um taking things mm-hmm. that aren't normally of natural growth so to me you know i kind of my morality is often underpinned by um natural growth mm. um which you'd think for someone that's on holiday would just you know spending spree and let's smash that up and let's not give a shit but i'm i'm not that kind of tourist well if you do go on holiday do you make the bed yes before you leave well there we go then that'll be why so even though i know that person's going to remake it anyway because there's a way that they've got to make it well they've got to change the sheets haven't they you know and do all the rest but i wouldn't I wouldn't leave. I wouldn't leave a mess for someone. Like I'm oh. one of those people that will, um, you know, um, stack all the plates up after a meal before the server comes over. Because don't you just do that to make them aware that they've taken too long coming and getting the the plates and giving you the check? No, <laughs> I just like I I like the idea of making somebody else's life a little bit easier. Oh. I think it's the polite thing to do. Mm. When do you believe in making people's lives that little bit more difficult, though? What triggers you to do that? Um, people that are dickheads. What so would norm- you define as a dickhead? Is it a class norm- thing? No, normally a dickhead is somebody that goes out of their way to be unnecessarily rude. Huh. Like um, me? You don't... You like um what's the word how do i put it um intellectual masturbation is what you like do i um so if some you know you're like going what would called uh tete-a-tete you like to wind people up um in order to show that you're interested um oh yes i, I get what you mean I have been told this by other people as well. You know, so if you're if you're actively making catching people out with yeah. moral quandaries and um, what is it thought experiments and such is how I show my love for people. Yeah, because you wouldn't bother with somebody otherwise. So unless they've got some kind of interest, um, you know, you're not the sort of person to go in um sit down by a complete stranger and start talking about uh, talking to them unless there is something to be gained from it well no but why what what would normal people get out of that so normal people uh, wouldn't necessarily do that either okay um depending on if they felt you know felt they could help in some way shape or form um I'm the sort of person waits for people to approach. I'm not going unless. Who is the sort of person that goes and does that sort of thing? Surely clingy people now. I suppose we're going off topic, Liam. The, we are, um, sorry, what was the topic? I can't think what you asked me. Bad things. So things no. that would make you. No, you asked me who a dickhead. You. you know what a dickhead was and who triggers oh, yes. me. Yeah. Um. Who's the biggest dickhead you've ever met? I don't know. That's a hard question. Has there just been that many of them or? Yes. Right. Unfortunately, in this in this day and age, particularly where people can be a dickhead anonymously. Yeah. um, More and more people are dickheads in their normal life. They just don't expect people to call them out on it. Whereas I'm quite happy to call somebody out on their being a dickhead. Um, So some of the biggest dickheads that you've met then, have you ever magically fucked with them? Of course. So is there like a scale or something like that? Or is it more like a reaction type thing? Because like for me, I've either, generally speaking, I don't tend to, if I lose my cool, then 
maybe I'll do something magically against them. But normally, by the time I've kind of calmed down, I don't really feel like I want to do anything. The only time I ever do is normally to prevent them from doing something to other people in the future, mm. which is normally because they've attacked someone that I know. I tend to do more magical bad things to people that attack other people that I know rather than attack me. Yeah, I'm probably the same. I, I've i got a really, really high threshold for bullshit, generally mm. speaking, um, which people listening to us on the regular probably think I kill people on a daily basis. But, you know, um, I... You've made egg horse to do that for you, haven't I'm you? Far more, I'm, I'm far more strategic than that. Uh, um, as in, I would much prefer to watch someone's slow demise um, mm. than I would be to kind of get them a, a get-out-of-jail-free card, which I think death is, um, personally. I think mm. I'd be being too supportive by killing dickheads. Um, but yes, I'm more likely to deal with it on a different in a in a slow painful kind of way mm. is it punishment though is it amusement that you see for because they're getting punished or is it actually there you're trying to rehabilitate in a painful way what what was the overarching kind of one i would say that it's probably um you know painful punishment I don't oh. think I, I don't think I'm moral enough to be to try and argue that it's a um, an educational thing. Oh. Um, I yeah, just I don't, I don't I don't I don't think I don't think I'm that moral, Liam. I really don't. Uh, I don't think you're moral for the record, but you know, <laughs> I go for more rehabilitation because I'm a robot and I see people as broken. When they're like yeah. bad, I think mm, you're broken. There's something going on here. I got to poke this a little bit and see what happens. And then I set up some sort of matrix that enables them to growl and yeah. get back on track. You but know, again, like you're, you're not vegetables in the garden. Yeah, but I don't think you. Uh, again, you've said I don't think you do it out of an operation for them to grow necessarily. I think that you see them as something broken and therefore yeah. fixing is part you you don't believe in just fixing them you think fixing them has to be some kind of task because you need to see a see a scale of progression well, whereas i'm i'm maybe. not that interested uh, what i'm what i'm going to do if i'm going to get involved for that it's normally to say you're a dickhead stop mm. being a dickhead um, I just like fixing things. So, you know, whether it be like computers and robots and things or machines or just stuff, I like fixing stuff. So, and I quite like problems and solutions and such. So I just see from human psychology perspective, I kind of see it as, oh, you've got issues with trauma and such, which now makes you a bully. Let's tinker with this. Hmm. Whereas I'm not even convinced mine goes out of punishment. Mine just mm. is normally out of a fact of you're annoying me. I want you to be annoyed until you go away. Because once they're gone, I'm not interested. Right. Like, and whereas I think if I was more, I think if I was invested enough, and I think that's what morality for me is, mm. um, is an investment. I would, I would have to be invested enough to want them to improve. Mm. Mine is kind of adapt and stay change your behavior or go away mine is slightly more spraying spraying the cat until the cat realizes you can't piss there um i think mine is closer to that is you're being a dickhead either go and be a dickhead somewhere else or stop being a dickhead and i mm. think mine is more about that is you're on my radar either change your behavior or fuck off um I don't think I'm necessarily invested enough into the, to call it rehabilitation or mm. to even necessarily fix it. Um, my thoughts are, if you're going to stay in this sphere, there are rules. 
abide by them or fuck off. Or you'll be catapulted out. Yeah, pretty much. Of this mortal coil. Not necessarily this mortal coil. If I'm just, oh. whereas lots of people are like, um, you know, death. Death is is fausty and naughty. I think for a lot of people, death is a way out. Mm. Um, if anything, I'm more likely to to deny the way out, in order to let them see see the error of their ways. Um, but yeah, whereas I think lots of other people are more focused on, you know, death is a ultimate punishment. Mm. Um, whereas, yeah, I think death is, like I said earlier, generally a get out of jail free card until next time. Um, so I think I'm less likely to kill somebody that's irritated me. I'm just not likely to care of collateral damage. Does that make mm. sense? Have you bumped into anyone in this life that you've killed in a previous life? Yes. And did they learn their lesson? Or are they unaware or what? Um, yeah, I would say that some of them had learned their lessons. They were definitely more wary of me this time round. Is that purposefully, like consciously, or is it just a, like a subconscious thing? Subconscious thing. Right subconscious thing so you're getting kind of like i don't know they're shell-shocked past life <laughs> so yeah there's a there's a definite imprint there i guess of which bearing in mind last time i was here was a long time ago mm. for them to be a, aware of it would be unlikely isn't it let's face yeah. it they'll have had yeah. many lives without me in it yeah, um, but they still remember on some level. Clearly, that was the impact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which I'm not unhappy with. No, you're smiling. It's like you almost take pride in it. To a certain extent, yeah. It's Why good to take I? pride in your work. You should be proud of your work, I guess. Yeah. So we have also, like I said, I take responsibility for it. Like I'm yeah. aware. I'm aware that it was my fault. You take no, responsibility okay. from it, but do you really suffer any negative repercussions of it? Because it's very easy to say, yes, I'm taking responsibility if there's no real negative re repercussions of it. Well, people think, people consider it a stain on their, um, a stain on them, don't they? Whereas, I'm not saying I necessarily wear it as a badge of honour, but I am consciously aware of it. Whereas lots of people want it to either go away or punish themselves with guilt. Because let's face it, guilt is self-punishment. It's self-flagellation. Mm. Yeah. Um, so to me, I don't think anyone should necessarily feel positive emotions about someone feeling guilty. Like, mm. again, that's a morality bullshit thing of should, you know, I think remorse is one thing. I think guilt is is yeah self-flagellation. Hmm. But are you going to ethically say otherwise? No, I don't think so. Not necessarily. I'm trying to think and unpack that. Um, I think but no. too often guilt is worn as as a badge of honour. Well, they the difference is I've processed it. If you've got a, a you know someone that in a courtroom and that, and they've been accused of doing something terrible, then they make a big deal out of oh the person showed no signs of guilt or remorse or anything like that, do they? Yeah. So, I d I don't know. I don't really see it as well. That's the thing, isn't it? I suppose I would see that as a potential. Um correction because people that don't show any signs of it affecting them negatively i would incline to think that they'll go on to do that so that's what i see as something that i'd like to correct so i see it as a corrective magical brace on their life <laughs> that needs to be sorted that would be how i would kind of view that i guess uh, i think mine comes down to the fact that death is just part of living so mm. 
I think I'm far more okay with death than your average person. Yeah. Um. So what's important for me is that the pe that people process it. So I think what mm -hmm. I find more jarring is when someone hasn't processed an action um, and then mm -hmm. it results in something like guilt or, you know, I feel like going, feeling remorseful about something suggests that you've processed it and gone, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. um, it's only when it turns into guilt and it comes to into that kind of self-punishment cycle that I see that as a wrongful processing like a fault in the processing aspect um whereas i think morally post victorians we have a a fixation on guilt and that certain things are immoral um mm. and therefore you know you should feel some kind of um you know there is a, a an overemphasis on guilt well, weren't we talking to the the master on on um when the consultations earlier he was saying something along the lines of is it wrong to kill children and if you ask is yeah. the question is it wrong to kill children people look at you like how dare you even ask the question yeah. whereas it's more like a kind of thought experiment justification so mr chris is it wrong to kill children um i think there's got to be a there's got to be a, a right time for anything. Do you believe that abortion is murder? No. You don't? No, abortion's not murder at all. At what stage? When it pops out? That's when it would be classed as murder? I think if, I think if you, yes, if you give birth and then you kill a child, that is that is definitely murder. Because it's popped out. Because it's popped it's out a, working and then you broke it. Living thing. I'm not I'm not going to get involved in the tete a tete regarding and around that, but what I will say that there is there is a point where that is a living, breathing thing. Mm. Um but and it's far is far more than it. So yeah, so potentially you don't really take your first breath first breath until you're born. Yeah. But there is that there is that part of there is a point where you are killing something. Whether or not I consider that to be murder is because mm. murder is a legal term. Mm. So, um, and has all these moral implications from a legal point of view. Whereas killing is different. Whereas it? killing is is killing. Um, yeah. So regardless of whether or not that is cattle um, mm. or that is a baby, no. you know, there is a question at what point is a, is a embryo a baby? Mm. I'll have that. I'm happy to have that discussion with people, um, and I'm happy to have the discussion of whether or not, um, you know, it is killing. But murder is a very specific term, and it doesn't legally that child that isn't a child and doesn't legally exist until it is born and has mm. a birth certificate. Um, so you know, there is like for me, I think people get far too ta wrapped up in the moral implications of what they're talking about rather than having the discussion. Like mm. I'm quite happy to have a discussion with a vegan. I'm mm. not happy to have the discussion with a vegan because a vegan will make the whole thing entirely about moral implication. Mm. I'm not interested in your morality. What I'm interested in is having a conversation with you. And I think that, that to me, the thought exercise is far more useful than you trying to have a moral argument with somebody. Mm. Um, because morality is situational. Yeah. Depending on how you were born and in where you were born will mean you have different moral foundations. Mm. Because what I dislike is that there is an universal morality which is where those questions like the master is talking about mm. those those tap into this concept of a universal morality you can't kill children I'm like well what if that child grows up to be hitler or what if not... that child is terminally ill with a really painful you know? yes that that person yeah. 
that child is going to suffer for their entire life. Yeah. Is there not a moral imperative? I mean, Chris is, remembers this back when, well, lifetimes ago, when if you could not actually feed your child, you would kill them. Because yeah. that would be the mercy rather than letting them starve to death. Hmm. Well, so when malnourishment got that bad, you would kill them. Same with the old biddies and that. They would often yeah. kill themselves, wouldn't they? Yeah. So that they you weren't know, a burden. You, you talk, you know, the, the, main, the main one is kind of, I can never remember which term is appropriate now. Uh, Eskimo or Inuit, I can never remember. I think Inuit specifies a particular tribe, but yeah, mm. there are there are kind of cultures in that where um, exposure is an appropriate death. Mm. Um, you know, there are, um, and they're not the only culture. There are places in like Tibet and think in the Far East where there is a similar process. Grandma will go up to the mountain and not come back. Mm. Um, in order to no longer be a burden on her society. I think mm. it's more common with nomadic practice than it mm. is in kind of those that have. But suddenly, as soon as we lay claim to a space, we suddenly have different morals. I find that very interesting. Well, to a certain extent, is how much of a burden on that tribe that person is. Yeah. These days, the burden on society in that is, is less. You know, you have, you just, pay into a pension or what have you don't you and then there's things like the national health service and that so it isn't the same level of burden no no but yeah and obviously at the moment it's an interesting discussion because there's more and more discussion about dignity and death now isn't there mm, yeah so allowing people to have a dignified death um you know, I'm not one that believes, like I said earlier, that there is this moral imperative to preserve life at all cost. Mm. There is there is a point where that is no longer living. And I think people should have that choice um, as when or how they die. I think, you know, we, we talk about um, the ways in which we want to be buried. I don't see mm. why we can't discuss the ways in which we want to die either. Um, so is there a price or cost of the human life? And in which case is this like when you buy a car and there's the standard model and then the sport model or with this and that extras comes with extra price. So, for example, there's a standard price of a life in Chris's book. But then if they're family or friends or they've made you laugh once, that is all optional extras which increases their value how does it work for you i think you're oversimplifying the matter because you're a robot mm. i think I, I think ultimately from my point from my perspective this human life means that you have a tendency to consider the impact that that person has mm. um but ultimately I don't have e equally. I don't have the problem of do completing a mercy killing. If 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 some of my friends or family were um, uncomfortable, and mm. would quite happily ease their passing, so you know, I think there's that kind of part of kind of giving thought to it all. As mm. morality is situational, categorically. Would you do that because they asked you to do it or would you do it because you've looked at it and you see the pain they're in and you're just going to decide to do that I, i'm still of i'm still of the feeling i guess from a humane point of view mm. that there, there should be some kind of choice but i think overwhelmingly there will be an ultimate um decision that may need to be made mm. and the question for me always comes down to capacity yeah have they the capacity to understand the gravity of the situation and can you trust their decision mm. um, right well that is it for this episode of the no holds barred witchcraft podcast if you yourself would like to sign up to the mercy killing service that the <laughs> thought witchcraft shops will soon uh 
offer, then please do. No, you cannot sign other people up, I'm afraid. It has to be you. There we go. There's a bit of morality and ethics, Chris. They'll sign <laughs> their enemies and people they dislike up, won't they? <laughs> oh, firstly, killers. This person, insert name here, is a complete asshole. It would be a mercy just to kill the bitch. Please do that. Okay. Goodbye, everyone.